episode 38 we've got another fellow commentator in the industry but there's more to this man than meets the eye so welcome along for episode number 38 john ratcliffe buddy hasn't been long since we Hello, last mate. caught up uh how you doing doing super well thank you yeah when you said that i was a bit worried about what you might actually uh, go on to there <laughs> what secrets am i hiding but no mate super excited to be here thank you very much for having me so, John, one of the things I like all of my guests to do is to please, in your own time, introduce yourselves yourself to our audience here on Commentators Corner. So the floor is yours, buddy. Thank you very much. Wow. Okay. On the spot. Um, yeah. So hello. Uh, my name's John uh, at Ratters Media on the socials for my commentary stuff. Um, I am 24 years old, uh, living up near Silverstone, which is which is where I work. Uh, main main job that I do is working in marketing and social media stuff. Um, recently started at uh, at CartSim, based at the Silverstone Circuit, which is which has been a lot of fun. But yeah, as Alex says, and the reason I'm on this podcast is uh, because I've done commentary for probably about two to two and a half years now. I'd say maybe even a little bit longer. Um, and it was something I just sort of stumbled into really um and as i've done it more and more and more uh, i've had a lot of fun so yeah just really enjoy i mean to be fair before i did commentary people couldn't really shut me up anyway so it seems like a a viable option to go into into a career path But but i guess that's kind of me right now in a nutshell and also for those that don't know uh john actually competes alongside his old man in the fun cup championship uh and uh well let's get on to that first um sure because commentary is the art of conveyance but having that IRL racing experience considering the fact that John and his dad have also taken podiums this year so well done to you and your old man I mean um, educate the folks at home on how you can transfer your understanding of racing in real life to commentary on a broadcast yeah, so I feel like it does give me a bit of an insight that maybe some other commentators don't have. Um, and obviously, when you get behind the wheel yourself, they, there's so much to learn. Uh, and it's the same as I've been speaking to other people who maybe do the the sort of clerking and scrutineering side of things. Of There's an angle that you just don't really get if you've not been out there yourself. And I think it really helps in certain cases as well when we're watching battles going on out on circuit is that I can sort of put myself in the place of the people who are in the battle and I know what I would do in that situation. So I can then sort of explain what I think they're going to do. And hopefully that then happens. And I look really smart. Sometimes it just goes out the window and it's like, Oh, okay. They, they've just gone crazy and they've not followed anything that I would have done. Um, but yeah, I feel like it can give me a little bit of an edge, uh, but equally I've only been racing for, for a year now in, in, in cars anyway. Um, so I'm still getting to grips with it very much myself. Um, so yeah, it gives me a little bit of an edge, but but nothing crazy, I would say, on, on top of a, on top of a normal commentator. But I really enjoy doing both, and they sort of complement each other, which is nice. It's always nice to hear that kind of insight, John. I mean, let's get on to the commentary side of things now. For those that are regulars at Rye House, for either the IKR series or, of course, Rye House Pro Kart, Mark Beaumont, you are definitely being collared to be on the show at one point um, <laughs> when my when my schedule and his schedule allows it. I mean, it's taken me a, uh, mm. myself and John. To, to do this for, for quite a time like either I've been uh, unable to make it or you've been un- unable to make it but we've finally gotten round to it I think um... <laughs> Ratcliffe celebrating like he does on the podium excitement <laughs> <laughs> I do it in the comms box as well to oh, mate, yeah that happened many a time <laughs> when we were at Buckmore Park um, because yeah. I think um, you know uh, right, RHPK is a championship that you me Good old Chris McCarthy. We've all been a part of it. Yusuf Bin Sahal has been a part of it. It really is the epitome of grassroots karting. You know, dual GX160s, those wonderful rumbles as they absolutely mash the throttle coming out of the corners and, and great toe-to-toe action. Um, when you did your first RHP broadcast, how big were the nervous butterflies in your stomach, my good man? Yeah, it's, all, it's always super nerve-wracking. It's always super nerve-wracking. Um, yeah, doing the broadcast as well. Luckily, with, with the RHPK, it's not the full 
sort of alpha live streamed experience, which can be very, very daunting to begin with. But yeah, luckily RHBK, mostly circuit comms within yeah, that Facebook stream that we do uh, as well. But actually, to be fair, by the time I got to RHPK, I'd done a little bit of stuff um, previously, because like I said, I sort of stumbled into it um, initially, because when I got into it, um, I'll just sort of, I'm tracking off of your question quite a bit here, but I promise I will bring it back, Alex. That's fine, that's uh, fine. If you want to go off on a tangent, this is the perfect platform you. to do it on, mate. Yes, I love a tangent. That's that's what our commentators, our commentators are made for, right? Going on tangents. True, <laughs> true. <laughs> okay, so yeah, how I sort of got into it was um, when I was at university, uh, one of my friends um, just basically said, oh, I know these people at a company called Alpha Live, which I hadn't heard of at the time. Um, and they... Uh, often like to get people involved to do the camera work on the mains BUKC day, the British Universities Karting Championships, which I raced in. But at the time I was racing on the intermediate day, which was the sort of lower, the lower class day. So I just went along, had a bit of fun, had a bit of camera work, did more and more of that, was enjoying it. And then I can't even remember how the conversation came about that I was like, oh, I'd quite like to be in the in the commentary booth and have a go. So I remember the, the lovely guys at Double Dash Motorsport Media, um, Andrew and Howard, uh, were like, yeah, just jump on a jump on a uh, jump on a stream with us. So that was in the in the time where I was then racing in the main championship in the top one. So I would do my two races in the day and then I would commentate two of the other races with them, which was really lovely of them. Um, so then I did a bit of that, enjoyed that a lot. And then started getting more and more things. So actually, in my first, my first foray into commentary was in that full alpha live stream of the full shebang. That was very nerve wracking to be to know that I'm going out live to all these different people, and if I say something wrong, or if I accidentally swear or or something like that, I'm going to be the one kicked up kicked up the uh, kicked up the behind. So that was nerve wracking. So by the time I got to RHPK and things like that, I think those nerves had subsided a little bit. And I think it was also helped a lot by the fact of while I was at university for about a year and a half, two years, I did loads of YouTube content myself on my own channel, making videos, doing podcasts, doing live streams and things like that. So I think that the 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 being scared of being on camera had certainly subsided a bit. But I think even now when I've been doing it for two, two and a half years, it never really goes away, does it, Alex? Every time you're about to go on stream and it's got that that five, five, two minute countdown, one minute countdown, 30 seconds, you do get a bit, oh, okay, we're about to go. But then once you get going, you're into the flow and you're just having fun. Yeah, it's the first 10 to 15 minutes, folks, that we're sort of trying to hit our stride and get into a rhythm, a bit like a racing driver, so to speak, whereby... You know what you've got to be doing. You know that you've got your stats and myself and John, we do prepare to the hill. I mean, preparation is a big key of what we do. We have stats up the wazoo. We have like interesting facts about the previous event, you know, <laughs> what happened, who's wearing the championship, what circuit are they racing at? Who's the broadcast with, or is it RHPK? Is it IKR uh, Rye House? Is it BUKC? Is it Club 100? Is it Motorsport UK British Kart Championships? There is so much that you really, really have to have all that information to hand. But by doing that preparation, some of it becomes a bit like photographic memory, doesn't it? No, it definitely does. It definitely does. And you also find when you start working with the different series that you find the different sort of nuances of the series. Like I know when I moved from um, from some other championships and then I started doing a bit of the British Kart Champs uh, in uh, sort of end of last year, beginning of this year, there were some words and phrases that I was quite used to using that I was told very much, you can't be saying that anymore. Uh, I, th I know the main one was the use of the word contact. Uh, was <laughs> I was like you're saying that way too much and you're going to infer that you've seen contact there and they're going to be able to use that against the other drivers when they get into the uh, into the stewarding room or whatnot so just things like that that you that you pick up and learn as you uh, as you move on through the ladder but uh, lots of great experiences throughout the championships but as you say it never it never quite goes away that 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 nervous excitement yeah I've managed to get myself out of the habit of saying the word contact I always go, oh, there's been a bit of a touch, you I know, that that kind of thing. I, I still do it. I used to say contact so often, and what uh, I can't remember who it was. I think it was my mum, my mum or my dad said, why do you say the word contact? Well, they've had an incident, you know. You could say, well, you yeah. try and paraphrase it a different way, so you make it a bit more mm. interesting in terms of the... Uh, uh, the words they used were verbal diarrhea that you're spouting on every single stream. And that's the thing. We're, we're here to tell a story. Uh, you know, we're there to inform, educate and entertain. 
and that's why we get the gigs that we do. Um, so when you got the opportunity to step up to the Motorsport UK British Kart Championships, um, can you remember when, what circuit, and who you were commentating alongside? Yes. So the first one I did uh, was actually last year. So the first time that I did multiple rounds in a season was this year. I think I did five this year. Um, but the first one was last year because it was a relatively last minute call up. I think it was a couple of weeks or a month before um, where Henry. So at the time last year, it was Henry Burdett and Anthony Jordan who were commentating together for it. But Henry was off somewhere, I think potentially um, off in another country doing some other sort of events of some sort. Mm -hmm. And um I got the call up, I think partially because I knew the circuit very well. So it was at Wilton Mill. Yeah. Um, and I knew the circuit very well because I'd been doing the Wilton Mill Kart Club commentary, which I still very much enjoy doing. Um, and because I know the circuit well, and also probably partially because I live quite close as well. But I'm going to forget that bit. It's all it's all definitely to do with my my skill and ability. Um, so I was called up for that round at uh -huh. Wilton Mill. It was about <laughs> midway through the season last year. And it was with um, Anthony Jordan, who I was doing it alongside, who I've done, who I had done previously a couple of streams. So I think Wilton Mill Kart Club and things like that. I've done a few uh, since then as well with uh, with Anthony. But yeah, that was the first one, Wilton Mill with Anthony, and it was it was so much fun. I loved it from the from the from the off. I loved it. Yeah, because myself and John, we actually worked together last year on I think it was round six and uh, I think it was nine or ten uh, of the yes, Wilson Mill Kart Club Championship last year, and I still remember when we both got to the circuit and it was absolutely saturated we was like saying uh Ogers was was a bit was more like the river or, or it wasn't an estuary it was like biblical wet weather conditions and it got to the got to the point so bad where we were doing the comms where we had James our good friend Mr James Fitzhugh on on directing and producing uh, we had the likes of Laura, Adam, and quite a few others that were there. They were having to brave the elements, and we had and um, there were sandbags in front of the entrance to the to the the main sort of like redeveloped shed uh, just off of yeah. the off of the main start finish straight, just coming out of the boot. And the it was it was really really funny because I was uh, you said oh good morning welcome along to Walter Mill Kart Club for da 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 and alongside me is Alex Goldschmidt I said morning John I'm just waiting for Noah's Ark to part the seas and <laughs> to part the seas <laughs> to come in in a minute and it's just one of those things that when we have those different kind of situations where we can we can laugh at a situation but then have to take it incredibly serious because it is all about that entertainment factor, isn't it? That where you've got, like, you're seeing the marshals down through Ashby, down through Osiers, and they're having to sweep away the water. And it's not going anywhere. It's just, like, literally no. bow way forward, hits the curb, comes back. So, like, they're there for, like, about 10 minutes. And it gives us an opportunity to sort of, like, natter and talk about random things, doesn't it? Yeah, you've got to be good about talking about random things if you want to be a commentator. Because, yeah, particularly in mo moments like that where um, there are stoppages because of the weather or stoppages because of incidents and things like that, and you've got to fill the time, that's where you earn your money as a commentator. Because shouting over the racing, at least in my personal opinion, is is relatively easy, particularly if it's good racing. I, I, you just get into it and the flow happens. But it's, yeah, when you have to try and fill that space and you're like, oh, okay, I don't really have any notes for here. But that's when it's good to have a, a good commentator alongside like yourself where you can just... You can just bounce off each other and have that have that fun and have that banter. Um, and like you were saying, it's it's very serious. You you're there to watch serious racing. People are wanting it, to get good results. But I think at the end of the day, even when you move up to those higher levels like British kart champs and European karting things like that, people are spending a lot of money. It's very serious. They're wanting to go somewhere in their motorsport ladder. But at the end of the day, we're all just trying to have fun. Whether you're racing in it, whether you're watching, whether we're in the commentary box, whether you're whatever. We're trying to have fun. We're enjoying motorsport and it's all about just being positive at the end of the day. So, uh, yeah, working your way through those moments and keeping it interesting and exciting for the people watching at home and keeping it nice and lighthearted as well. I think we're pretty good at that. Yeah, that's very much the case. Of course, uh, John has not only done IRL commentary in terms of pretty much being karting, but also you've dabbled in the sim racing world as well. I, if I remember correctly, the GT Challenge with uh, Motorsport Games, uh, you were working alongside John Monroe for, for a bit of time. John? I still need to contact you as well. That's another one I need to name check in this episode. Um, but you still get the same buzz, the same excitement, even though it's sim racing, don't you? 
Oh, yeah, for sure. That was uh, amazing to be able to do. That was my first time ever being in, in a proper studio. Um, because, of course, yeah, with the sim racing, with, with with real life commentary, we don't usually have a comms box cam. Do we really? Of course, with the RHPK one doing the, the live time in the comms box cam made a lot of sense. And I think the only time I've ever really ever had it was at one of the British Kart Champs round when we were at uh, when we were at Lark Hall. Um, they were they're in the old W series building. So they have like all cameras pointing out of the roof and stuff. And it was it was very it was very odd. Um, I've realized I've gone onto that tangent of thought and I've sort of forgotten what the initial point I came from was, Alex. Where am I coming from? Uh, saying that you were in a real life. Stu- well, no, no, you were actually on the, you yes. were actually okay, on the right GT point. You were on the right tangent on that particular occasion, John. Oh, so, so don't quite. worry, you, you're fine. <laughs> but yeah, like you say, uh, there are times when you are on camera, uh, like for myself, for instance, being the lead commentator for the ADAC Sim Racing Expo. We mm-hmm. were at the stage. They had a camera positioned uh, towards us. So there were times when we were picture in picture. So the, the broadcast crew managed to uh, make the live stream sort of like shrink a little bit and then still have two people's faces on there. I have to give a shout out to Nico Hillebrand, who was, who was alongside me in Dortmund. But yeah, you, you still get that same buzz, that same adrenaline kick where you feel, uh, you know, the goosebumps on your forearms, the hair standing up on the back of your neck. Um, it really does give you that same sort of adrenaline buzz. And um, you can still parlay what you know in IRL stuff to sim racing commentary. And we've seen a lot of big names who have either gone from the sim racing world into IRL, take, for instance, Actual Vision, Luke Crane. Paul Jeffrey mm-hmm. is another big example of that. Uh, Lewis true. McGlade, uh, also mm-hmm. another one who's gone from, you know, who's been alongside with uh, with George Morgan, uh, Ewan O'Leary, uh, Arjuna Kankapati and Will Vincent, uh, where they've, they've, where you've seen people like Lewis, who's now the, the main commentator for GB3 and GB4. And I'm really, really pleased for him to have that opportunity. Um, and then you see people like me who had been in commentary for like two, three years before the pandemic hit. And then we then came through. So it was like myself, you had John Hindall from Radio Lamar, uh, the voice of the British Touring Car Championship and Fanatec GT World Challenge powered by AWS, the man, the myth, the legend that is Mr. David Addison. It really is good to see that people are getting opportunities on both sides of that, uh, that line that has been uh, it uh, has been irreparably blurred to within extinction. Yeah, no, it's been massively blurred, hasn't it? People are coming through. It's just like the racing, isn't it nowadays? Because obviously, it was always you'd you'd come up through karting, you'd you'd do karts, you'd go into lower formulas or Janetta Juniors and things like that, and you'd slowly move up the ranking and go. But now it seems it's all sort of spread out a bit in that racing term. Anyway, you you can jump in through sim racing now because it's so realistic. It's obviously it's never quite going to be exactly there, but it's close and close enough. And there's so many transferable skills among the racing uh, using, you can learn the racecraft all on the, the cheap, in inverted commas, cheap simulator. And then you can put that into your real life racing. And it's the same with the commentary. There's so many more people that are now getting involved from sim racing. Also due to that low barrier of entry as well, which is great because people can just make their own sim racing leagues and race in those. And people can then say, oh, I'll, I'll have a commentate over that. Uh, have a bit of fun. You start to enjoy it. You move up into other sim racing things. Suddenly you get a real life gig and it's, uh, and yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing. The, uh, the blurred lines, like you said, of just people are moving back and forth between the two. And uh, as you mentioned with my, with my GT challenge, how I did a bit in real life then I've gone back to a bit of simulator. Then I've done a bit more real life, but I'm more than happy to switch between the two because at the end of the day, racing is racing. It doesn't matter whether it's in the real world or in virtual. It's still, Gets, gets me pumped up just watching the racing watching people go for moves and just seeing how it all plays out through uh through the race so yeah i'm really enjoying the further introduction of sim racing and i feel like as we've come through the pandemic as well we're definitely starting to see it more and more and more become like a normality of a series to to have their usual championship and then do a winter esports cup or something like that and just have it have it merged in in those sort of ways yeah, I mean, especially now, 750 Motor Club are going to be doing a winter series with uh, Chris Stevens, who's going to be doing that. He's going to be commentating cool. on that. They've got 
Also, the Enduro KA Winter Series is back for an, another winter period as well. I had the opportunity of commentating on that at the Browns Hatch Indie Round, and I think that was alongside Adam Weller. I was actually in Belgium that weekend doing, uh, I think it was either B&L Karting Series or Euro Trophy that weekend, and they went, oh, are you available? And I went... Yeah, not a problem at all. I might have a bit of a husky voice because, like, I'll have done like three days yeah. worth of commentary, and it's it's never that easy when people think, "How do you keep going?" Well, the adrenaline keeps you going, the excitement keeps you going, and seeing racing—you know, those three things—will mean that a commentator might have a husky voice. I mean, I I still remember this year I did. Um, I think I did the B&L karting series opening round. And then I drove to Charleroi, stayed at the Novotel that night. And I then ended up doing a three hour broadcast for Sim Racing GP. And I was so, my voice started getting raspier and raspier as the broadcast went on. We got yeah. to about seven minutes to go and we had a really, really good battle. I think it was for sixth position overall between a Ferrari and a, and a BMW at Spa-Francorchamps. And it was just, I think I was going for about six and a half minutes without the other guy getting a word in edgeways, which sometimes tends to happen. Um, but yeah, they they said after the broadcast, they went, how did your voice stand up to it? I said, hydration. And, and that's another key point. We our, our voices, John, are our meal ticket. Yeah, exactly. No, I think we've all been in the moment. And to be fair, it would sound like you managed to save that. But I feel like as a commentator, we've all had that moment where you get maybe half of the way through the day of racing a little bit further than that. And you start to feel it and you're like, oh, no, oh, no, it's going. <laughs> oh, no, I'm going to have that awful moment where I go it, when a battle starts to happen and you get excited. So you raise that voice a little bit and it just completely cracks. And you're like, oh, no, <laughs> everyone's going to take the absolute, <laughs> the absolute mick out of me in the live chat for that one. Oh, um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, it is sort of like it ends up becoming like a real uh, uh, like a meme on Instagram stories or exactly. or TikTok <laughs> or something like that. Yeah. Here's where the commentator's voice broke literally yeah he's like you know uh, i mean exactly uh, i'll be completely honest with you the the worst time that i've ever had was 2021 international trophy lamar i uh, and this is a story that pretty much in a lot of episodes i've talked about already but it's just a, a little bit of a reminder i did 47 races plus qualifying and i was working with three drivers for social media now i was only going out there for social media I get a phone call from our uh, from the, the the voice of Barry South Wales, Mr. Henry Bouldet, at about half past eleven on the Tuesday night. He said, "Hello, mate. How are you?" And I went, "Oh, all, all good, mate. How are you?" He said, "Really looking forward to catching up." He said, "Unfortunately, I won't be there." And the first two words that, well, the first phrase that went into my head was, "Oh shit, I know what's coming next," <laughs> which was Henry said, "I've talked to the organisers," and then. Yeah, uh, I've never felt so broken. Uh, I still managed to get all the way through the weekend. I don't know how I did it. I think it must have been the amount of uh, caffeine that I consumed. And it wasn't, it was coffee in the morning and energy drinks during the day, coupled with water, just to make sure that everything was all on point. Um, yeah. But coming coming back to the to the racing, you and your dad, I mean, this is the first year that you guys have done it. How's it been racing alongside your old man? There must be a really, really good bond uh, between the pair of you, especially when you're, you know, you're, you're both excited about the racing. It's an endurance-style format with with Fun Cup. We all know that. It's a great series. I've had the opportunity of calling a race at Brands Hatch uh, in Stockwatch Hospitality, <clears throat> which is located just on the Brabham Strait. Shout out Paul Clark. Um, and we had everything. We had a four-hour race round Brands Hatch Indy. And mm -hmm. we had a safety car start. We had multiple yellow flags within the first 30 minutes. We had so many people going off. Um, we then yep. had a red flag with 90 seconds to go because with 10 minutes remaining, the heavens started to open and the weather deteriorated rapidly because then we saw multiple cars flying off, like off at Paddock Hill, up at Druids, through Graham Hill Bend, through uh, Surtees and McLaren. It was like everyone was grass tracking and went, I just went, 
this ain't going to last much longer. And then Adam Johnson, who I was working alongside, he went, yep, and they've called a red flag. It's 90 seconds to go. Red flag has been called. They won't start this race. Restart this race. So uh, I think fun cup from just um, John, if you want to tell the folks about what fun cup is uh, and explain the format. Sure. Yeah, I'm more than happy to be a spokesperson for, for Fun Cup because it's one of the best things I've ever done in my entire life. It's so, so much fun. It's in the name. It, you have to get out of the car if you're not having fun. That is one of the uh, rules in the uh, in the book before you start up for the series. Um, but yeah, I'll tell you a little bit about it. I will also caveat with the fact of, in case my brother does listen, uh, listen to this because he's going to be very frustrated, I do do it with my dad and my brother as well. So we're, we're a three-man team. We're a three-man team for it. Um, which has been really helpful as well because my brother is is the fastest out of the three of us um so he's been a great person to chuck in the last in and go 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 on mate go and get go and get us the result uh so that's been good but yes fun cup uh endurance racing series in the uk um they're all these weird looking cars so everyone that sees them is like oh you're racing vw beetles but they're not vw beetles the o- the, the 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 fun fact that i always say is that only a uh, piece of uh, the only part on the car that is from a VW Beetle is the wiper motor, and the only thing that has failed at every race this season is our wiper motor. So <laughs> it's not looking good for the VW Beetle uh, department <laughs> parts department. <laughs> but um, but yeah, so cars look like Beetles, nothing like Beetles. Uh, space frame chassis, uh, Volkswagen Golf engine, I think it uh, is in the back. Um, they're not the lightest of things, so they're not really that fast. I think on their own steam, you're maxing out just below about 110. If you're in the slipstream, you can get a bit closer to 120, but they're not that quick. But with these cars, you're sat directly in the middle of the of the car, so it's like a it's almost like a single seater. Well, it is a single seater, but it doesn't look very much like a single seater. So you're directly in the middle, flappy paddle gearbox, um, loads of vision out the front, but absolutely no vision behind. You've got these tiny little wing mirrors, and because it's a rear engine car, obviously you've got no rear view mirror. Um, so it's very difficult to see behind when you're battling with people, particularly uh, like at our last race at Alton Park, where my dad got in a bit of a scuffle with someone and knocked the the uh, one of the wing mirrors in. So it meant when you were battling with someone, if they pulled out to try and make an overtake on you, you had no idea where they were at all, which was very scary. Um, but yes, this series, been involved with it for one year. We decided we wanted to get involved and do something as a family uh, before my dad decided that he was too old um, to race anymore. Um, but it's been so much fun. We've loved every second of it. Uh, we missed a couple of rounds this season that meant that uh, we weren't able to be involved in the championship fight um, because you can drop one uh, one round, but we missed two. Um, so a bit frustrating, but we are super happy with our results. As you say, we got quite a few podiums. I think off the top of my head, it might be two seconds and a third and then a couple of fourth places, I think, in the Masters. Um, so, yeah, it's been really good fun. And how they've done it this year that's been really good as well is introducing this Masters class where anyone with a driver over the age of 55 goes into this master's class. So my dad is a good mid 60s. So he, we've been we've been campaigning for a super masters for him to go in uh, for, <laughs> for the over 60s as well. Um, but uh, yeah, so that class has been made, which then means that even if you're in the masters, if you get on the main podium, you can't get on the master's podium. So it gives some more opportunity for people who may not get on the podium usually to actually get a shot of having a proper battle for for some podium places and getting a nice shiny trophy, which is which is always good but yeah I, I cannot sing the praises of fun cup enough it is brilliant i understand when you're watching as a spectator it might not quite be so interesting but anyone that wants to come and watch you're more than welcome to come down and chill in the team ratters racing uh pit box and we'll explain what's going on and you can get involved because once you've got the bug of fun cup it ain't going to go anywhere yeah um yeah well i've actually commentated i actually funny enough i commentated on it in alongside jake sanson uh, oh, okay. <clears throat> and we were doing the BRSCC Silverstone weekend. So we had the Intermarks, we had the Golf GTI Mark II Championship and the Mark V Series. We had the Fun Cups, um, which oh, I, I thought uh, it was actually on the year when Kevin Magnuson, they were, they were racing at Spa and K-Mag was with Renault. And that was when he had that monster shunter Radion going onto mm. the Kemmel Strait where the the bolster around his shoulders. I remember that, yeah. Uh, and I still, re- we were on the lunch break and Jake was watching Sky Go on his laptop. And I was like, just tell me what's going on. And I was having a chat with a couple of people that had come to watch it. He went, Alex, Alex. I went, what? Red flag. I went, what's happened? He went, K-Mag's gone off at radio. I was like, oh, 
shit. Like, and then I, I went, I'm really, uh, so I said to the people that I was talking to, enjoy the rest of the weekend. I hope you're all having a great time. And they said, yeah, we're, we're loving it. We're loving the commentary as well. I said, brilliant. That, and that really humbles you as a commentator when they say something like that. Hmm. And so I've gone up and as I've gone up, I've, I've clocked the replay and I've gone, that's got a smart. And he went, yep. yeah, it wasn't pretty. Um, yeah, and we we had multi <laughs> on the Saturday we had the main race, so most of the Fun Cup races folks are four hour enduros, and there are mandatory pit mm -hmm. stops required. So uh, yep. they will normally stick the fuel not they'll stick the fuel canister on the front of the car, very much like the Porsche 911s do in, in GT3s. Um, They're very similar. Very similar indeed. Yeah, it's a, it's a 1.8 turbocharged, 150 brake horsepower engine that's in the back of the Fun Cup cars. I should know that because... You know more than me. Well, no. Well, the thing is, is that I want to hear the, the, the Fun Cup praises from one of their current drivers, which is the main thing. Um, but yeah, we had, we had rain so often that weekend. Mm. And it was the weekend when... Jack Goff was running with IHG Racing, which was part of West Surrey Racing in the BMW mm -hmm. 125 IM Sport. And there was a little tornado that went past Silverstone and ended up at Rockingham and took out Jack Goff's hospitality. And Jake Sanson stopped apologising for it. Too, it's too long since then. I think it was 2016 when that happened. Um, but yeah, we it was such great fun just commentating on... I mean, you have to, and we had the legend that is Jamie Peters Ennis in the pit lane. And what Paul, a legend! Paul, we love Jamie. Uh, Jamie, Jamie, uh, Jamie will remember that that weekend because he was in the pit lane. I cannot remember the amount of receivers that he went through because it was absolutely peeing it down. It was yeah. properly wet on that day, and we felt so sorry for Jamie on what on what was going on really felt sorry for him but yeah i mean it's it's a great championship so you know folks if you do want to find out what fun cup is all about just type fun cup in in google and also for those that want to see a mammoth grid of fun cup cars roaring around spa francorchamps the 25 hour fun cup race at spa is one that really really does showcase how chaotic Fun Cup racing can be. And there have also been some Fun Cup UK teams that have won the 25 hours of Spa. Um, and also, uh, f there's another bit of information that you will now learn as well, that Kronos, in, a, in partnership with Team WRT, actually helped to build them <laughs> in Belgium. So wow. it's, it, it's quite funny how one person is able to provide some knowledge and someone else is able to provide another bit of knowledge about that. Um, right, now we're going to get, after that initial load of chit-chat, which is really, really cool, I've got some standardised questions, but I always try and sort of mix them up a little bit for my guests. So, John, okay. um, what have been the biggest highlights of your commentary career so far? Whew. Yeah, starting, you're starting me off slow, Alex. Thanks for that. Uh... <laughs> oh, they get better. They get better. Oh, God. Um, one particular highlight. <sighs> You really put me on the spot there, mate. Um, I, of a particular moment, I, I I honestly can't pick you out a particular one. Um, well, in if terms if, of if there's can... if there's two or three that you can think of that have been highlights, then you know I'm I'm happy to give you the benefit of the doubt on that one. I mean, to be fair, I think the most a big highlight for me actually on a personal level. Obviously, I think that the obvious answer that came to my head was getting the call up to be involved with the British Car Champs because. That's uh, amazing to be involved with the national series of karting in the UK. Fantastic. But I think my actual answer will be commentating over my friends in the British Universities Karting Championship because there's nothing more fun. Obviously, I'm remaining a neutral on the commentary. I'm like, I, I, I mentioned that I was ex-Cardiff and I may bring up Cardiff maybe 20% more than, than other teams. But equally, I'm not going to call a batter. If, someone, if a Cardiff driver clearly drives into someone else, I'm going to call it as I think that was probably their fault. But that, that initial season where it was the first time that the first year that I was out of university, that I no longer was eligible to race with the team because I was too old. That's how the university's karting championship works. Um, that I was then out of the team, but still being there and being involved and being able to be the one that 
talks through the action of my friend's races that then they get to watch that back with their friend being the one who is talking over it and having those memories and those clips to take home. I think it's a big one for me. And that's why I love being involved with, with BUKC every year. Cause it's one of those championships that, that I've been involved in with the past and I've thoroughly enjoyed and I want it to just keep getting bigger and better. So yeah, doing that and being able to uh, commentate over my friends is, is really special. That's actually a really, really good point uh, that you mentioned that where it can be something like a grassroots championship where you've been there as a competitor, but you've now also been there as a, as a commentator as well. So you've been on both, both flip sides, so to speak. Um, what inspires you to, in terms of motivation as a commentator to, to strive for, to strive to get better as, as the, as the months and the years go by? Yeah, I don't think I really do anything actively to get better. I think the the best form for me anyway is the consumption of other people commentating. So I really enjoy that now. I think back when I would be watching motorsport when I was maybe 15 or 16, I'm just watching the action that's going on track. Whereas now you have that different sort of mindset when you're going into watching it where i'm also listening to the commentator and what they're doing how they're doing it how they're switching from topic to topic when they're bringing up information that they already had planned uh, like facts and things like that when it's getting a bit slow when they talk about the action how they speak about the drivers and things like that so i think for me uh, i'm very much a visual learner like that and taking in how other people doing it obviously copying is not the way to go because you're just going to sound like them and you want to have your own sound but using what they've done, morphing it slightly into how you want to bring forward and then just continuing and trying to get better and better every time. Because obviously it's not something where you're just instantly after a few things going to get so much better. It's very much a constant, slow process of slowly improving. And I think if you'd asked me through my career... I'd probably say, I don't think I've really changed that much. But actually, then if I go back and listen to those first ones, I've changed so much of how I go about things and how much more calm and considered I am with it rather than just wanting to get the words out and blurting through things. So I think it's just a slow, constant process. And I think being involved with the other commentators in the space and learning from them with the people who have more experience is, is a big one for me, certainly, considering with the fact I mentioned earlier, I've only been doing this a couple of years. Like you mentioned when you were commentating with Jake Sanson in 2016, I was doing my GCSEs, mate. So uh, it's really been a, <laughs> a slow process, but it's been great. You make me sound like an old fart while I do that to myself most Sorry, of the time. Anyway. <laughs> hey, hey, don't, hey, don't. It's no, no skin off my nose there. I, I think that's a really, really good point that you listen and you understand what other commentators are doing. I mean, when myself and John, we were at Buckmore Park, which was the first time, I think, for forever that RHPK had gone away from Rye House and gone to yeah. a very, very different circuit, which both myself, John, know very, very well. I mean, I commentated there back in 2017, so that would have been probably your first year of A-levels. I was there commentating with it Chris was, McCarthy, yeah. For no, actually, it was Andrew Mather from Double Dash Media Management. Because uh, wow. Chris and I, well, Chris actually called me late in 2016 and asked me if I wanted to do commentary. And I said, Yeah, I want to give it a shot. So my first gig was April 2017, Rye House Pro Cart, third round of the summer series, and I was on me Todd. So I didn't know anybody. I went in there completely wet behind the ears. Yeah. Uh, and we also did D Daytona D-Max for quite a few rounds together. And then Chris gave me the call pretty much, uh, well, it was a year later, two weeks before the first round of the Euro Trophy at Garten Genk. So Chris is forever in my debt as being the main person that really sort of helped give me the opportunities. And I'm forever thankful to that man. So many happy returns, Mr. McCarthy. You've hit 30. Welcome to the club. Welcome to the club. You're so old, Chris. <laughs> You're so, yeah, mate. You, 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 you get, you get, you, I said, wait, uh, I'm going to say this, Chris, wait until those gray hairs start showing, mate. You can't keep them at bay. Unless you want to use just for men, of course. Uh, <laughs> I digress on that one. Maybe he already does. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? He might use just for men. He just isn't saying it to anybody yet. Uh, McCarthy, your secret's out. Um, <laughs> um, I, I think that's, like, but like I say, it's a really, really good point that you're learning and understanding how you could possibly parlay what someone else is saying and use it to complement and ad adapt it to yourself because we, we all as commentators have our very own different personalities. I mean, the banter between myself and John at 
Rye House Pro Cart, uh, which is actually live on YouTube still. Uh, can you believe this? We got nearly 400 views off of that stream. Woo-hoo. Exactly. And the thing was, it actually had me and John on camera. We, <laughs> and then we had that the was pro- probably why it didn't get five or 600 views. Damn it. Well, <laughs> hey, well, it was worth doing. It was worth doing. Uh, it was really good. It was it, really good. Yeah. And also the fact it made sure that people were tuning into the stream because it was on YouTube. We shared it in the group. And then we found that the um, Buckwell Park microphone decided to have a bit of a fit with about two hours to go, didn't it? And we were like going, yeah, it's working. No, it's not. No, it's not. No, it's gone. Okay. And I just went, oh, bugger it. We'll, we'll, just, uh, we'll just use the one on the camera. That'll be fine. And it, and it worked. It was, it, it was like when you're trying to find signal with your phone. We were like walking around oh, trying God, to find the person yeah. with the microphone. It just wasn't working, was it? No, it was just like. Uh, eh, eh. It's like Family Fortunes buzzer had just come along all at the same time. <laughs> um, John, there are motorsport memories that we do all have. Can you name for me, off the top of your head, three moments that you will always remember about motorsport that you have watched or you've been a part of? Um, ooh, three ones, three things. I mean, the first, let, we'll start off with the first, the first memory I ever have is um being on the sofa watching the formula one uh when michael schumacher was in ferrari um so the f2 so equate with my age whatever the year is that's also how old i am it's very easy actually i'm quite lucky in that regard so whatever the year is that's how old i am so the f2004 i would have been four years old such moving through so i was properly young when he was there uh, right at the end of his ferrari as uh, his ferrari career actually so that's probably the initial one of being sat on the sofa and obviously when you're a kid you support whoever's the one who's winning don't you really as a mm-hmm. child um so yeah i was all decked out in ferrari red and and i loved it um then probably moving through um i probably can't pick one moment but i think just generally um traveling around with my dad so my dad raced in caterums from the year before i was born um so i think it was the start of 1999 um that he that he started racing in caterums on possibly end of 98 and he continued that through until about 2015 or 16 i want to say he was racing caterums like pretty much the only thing he was racing before we started moving on to on to some other things so that was a huge shaper for me because he was doing all these championships in the caterums and it would often mean that i would um, he would be going down on the on the Thursday by himself to make sure he was there for Friday testing. Then my mum would pick me and my brother up from school. She would take us to whatever track we were going to, Alton Park, Snetterton, Donny, up north, like places like Croft and things like that. Um, and it would just be the whole weekend thing. And that was kind of our family thing to, to head off together, do the whole weekend together, support my dad uh, and have the whole family there, which was lovely. So that's definitely, I've got a lot of memories as a kid, um, particularly uh, riding around the paddock and riding on the circuits um obviously after they closed to racing action on my little uh my little scooter i used to ride that i used to push myself around on uh, and i remember going down um i remember going down paddock hill bend at brands hatch when i was about five or six on my scooter just being like because ah! <laughs> it's so much deeper than you think when you watch it on camera uh, there's a five-year-old i was loving it it was like a roller coaster it was brilliant um but third moment i'd probably have to say well I nearly won a race in the BUKC. That was a, that was a pretty good moment. Uh, where I thought I had for a second because I came, I think, fourth on the road, potentially. Was it fifth on the road? Something like that. But then with how the penalty system works in BUKC, it's so confusing. Um, so initially they thought I'd won, um, but then it turned out that I had got the least amount of penalties of the guys in like the top 10, but someone just outside had got none, which meant that he jumped from like 11th to 1st and I ended up coming 2nd, which was gutting uh, at one of the qualifiers' events. But I'd say, yeah, moving through, I'd say first memory, watching Formula 1, then moving through the, into the childhood with my dad, doing the catering stuff, and then into my own racing myself when I finally did some stuff myself. Obviously, I did team sport karting and things like that when I was a kid, but actually getting involved in a proper series where everyone's racing, everyone's treating it seriously was was absolutely awesome. So yeah, getting to race with my mates and stuff and being involved as I uh, got a bit older as well. Okay, penultimate question, John. Uh, what are your future aspirations as a commentator? I mean, the I feel like it's probably the same answer for everyone, but the goal it's formula one at the end of the day, like there's nothing really, I, I'm just enjoying the journey and seeing where it goes. But if I had to pick one, it's formula one. That is the pinnacle of motorsport. That's the one everyone watches. 
it's fantastic and that's the one i've been involved with since yeah as i say a tiny tiny little kid i've been super super interested in it so that's if i had to choose an aspiration an aspiration equally the amount of fantastic people that i've met involved in commentary who i think you should get that f1c you're brilliant you should get that f1c you're fantastic the competition is massive so it's a lofty goal that 99.9% of the time is probably not going to happen. So at the end of the day, that's a cool aspiration. But I'm just, as my dad always says, enjoying the journey. I'm just going through it. I'm taking on different series. I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll have a go at this series. Let's get involved. Oh, let's commentate with this new commentator. Lovely, lovely to meet a new person. And I'm, I'm just going through the motions. I'm having fun with it. I'm doing as much as I can. And wherever it goes, it goes, I guess. I'm I'm not the type of person to be going around knocking on every door, being like, oh, I'm here, I'm this person. You want me, you want me to do this. I'm just chill. I'll sit on my, I think I'm pretty good. I like to think I'm all right. If you like me and I like you, we'll work together and we'll have a good time and we'll see what see where it goes. That's pretty, you know, like enjoying the journey. That's the whole mm. thing because myself and John can testify to this that we won't get every single gig. We're not everyone's cup of tea. Because everyone no, has their favorite, like everyone has their favorite commentators. Um, I've had so many people ask me if I'm going to be the voice of the Rotax Max Euro Trophy next year. I don't know because they've changed promoters. So WSK may have someone already in mind. I just don't know that. And mm-hmm. I've done that championship for six years. I did all the social media. I was helping producing the streams and giving an idea of what I think we should be showing this, that, the other. I was making content for it. You know, it was a great run. But then, as we both know, John, that when one door closes, another one opens. And that's very much true in this industry, that you'll you'll work in a, a multitude of paddocks, and then you'll then get an opportunity that you didn't see coming out of left field. And mm-hmm. you'll be like, oh, right, okay, yes, I definitely want to give that a shot. And that's mm-hmm. the thing that we have to be as commentators. We have to be adaptable. And, and try and make the best of every opportunity that we're given. But we come to your final question, Mr. John Ratcliffe. And uh, this is where I flip the script, but it's for very, very good reasons. So I'm going to ask John this question, and then I'm going to give my particular response. So, John, your final question is as follows. If you had no budget, no b- budget limit, no cost cap, unlike in Formula One, um, mm-hmm. you have a ch- you can choose a road, and a race car. And for each car, you can decide which track globally you can drive it at. So have a little think about that one. Make your decision and tell me why. So I've got to pick, I've got to pick a car and a circuit. No, no, no. You, you've got to pick a, a road car and a circuit. Okay, and a sorry. Ra- got you. Yeah. And a race car Understood. and a circuit. Understood. So John will give his response first, then I will give my correlating answer to that. So I will then echo, in some respects, what John has decided on. So John, over to you. I think with a road car, it's probably got to be some sort of Porsche or maybe a BMW M2 competition. Uh, for a road car to take on a on a on a track, um, would probably have to be one of those. Good power, nicely balanced, fun to drive. I've been out not driving either of those, but passengering those at some circuits, and they're they're a lot of fun to be involved with. So I can imagine they're a lot of fun to drive as well. Um, am I choosing a, a a road for this car or a tr- or a circuit? Right for both cars, you choose both a cars race- at racetracks. Both cars Understood. at racetracks, yes. Understood. So with those, obviously, you're on probably a bit lesser, a bit lesser uh, cornering abilities. You've got lots of power. I mean, an M2 competition is good to chuck around, but not the best. So I'd probably say for those, probably Donington Park. That's good. That flows nicely, but has some decent amount of straights as well to put the power down. Um, then for something like a, like a Caterham, I think I would go for the race car. Um, just because I know I've already mentioned it with my dad, but caterums just have a special place in my heart the racing that you see with caterums okay now i've come into the fun cup there's something that has a competition to the fantastic racing but the caterums 
oh man they're just awesome and the the rawness of it how exposed you are in the car uh, when they're overtaking you can always lean over and just shake the other person's hand you're about two foot from the ground so when you're doing it 70 miles an hour it feels like 700 they're fantastic and i love them um for those it's got to be somewhere tight and twisty that you can chuck around um i'm trying to remember in my head i always get confused between cabwell park and mallory park um, which is the one with the tight and twisty section sort of in the forested area and you've got like lots of ups and down bits. Is that Cadwell? Well, Cadwell's got the um, got the jump in it, isn't it? When the motorbikes normally go over it. So yes. I, think it, I think it is Cadwell. It is, I think you're right. It is Cadwell. It is Cadwell. So yeah, I would say an M2 competition let's go with at Donington and then a Caterham at Cadwell, I would say. I know that's quite British centric on the circuits, but they're my favourites and they're the ones I've been to. So they're the ones I'm going to pick. Okay, right. I will see your BMW M2 competition with a Porsche, a oh. 718 Cayman GT4 RS. So nice. the big daddy of, of that one, uh, big which boy. I have to say they are absolutely awesome. Absolutely awesome, those cars. Uh, my pick for that particular vehicle would be Silverstone. So you've got the combination of speed, but you've also got, uh, say, Maggots, Beckett's and Chapel, which will mm. flaunt not only the power, but also the handling of a mid-engined rear-wheel drive sports car. So that would be my choice. I am also going to say Caterham's, and I'm going to say Donington Park Grand Prix. Ooh. Now, the reason why I say this is that myself and Scott Woodwist were doing the BRSCC Caterham Weekend in I think it was either I think it was 2018 or 2019 I can't remember but we were doing the BRSCC catering weekend at Donington Park we had Mazda MX-5s uh, as well and the racing between the caterums was just crazy we were seeing them three abreast so they were coming out of the Fogarty S's going down to the Melbourne hairpin and there were some proper late sends it was like either around the outside up the inside um, we, um, it was a real shame because so Chris Hoy was due to be on the grid, but then the man who ran catering cars at that particular point, the CEO, ended up in his car for that weekend, and I was like, I was like gutted because oh shit, no, no, Sir Chris Hoy. Um, so there you go, folks. So we were pretty well, much. I, I will have to say, from a racer's perspective, choosing the GP is absolutely sacrilege for John for Donington Park. I can't lie, mate. But the thing is, I'm bringing my IRL commentary. Yeah, uh, the commentary, I'm sure, is yeah, it's fantastic to commentate over. To drive that loop is horrible. But to each their own. John, it's been an absolute yes, pleasure, I'm mate. Sure some people Absol- love it. Absolute pleasure having you on the show here for, for Commentators Corner, of course. Don't forget to follow him on The Relevance on Ratters Media on, on Instagram and on Twitter as well. But, mate, enjoy the rest of 2023 and good luck for 2024. Thank you very much, mate. Yeah, all commentary sort of come to an end now for 2023. So looking forward to the next year. It should be good fun. And I'm sure we'll we'll link up again at some, st- some stage, Alex, to, to put some fantastic commentary together. Brilliant. Thank you so much to everybody that has continued to watch along or listen along to Commentators Corner. Of course, you can see this as part of the uh, the now YouTube podcast section on YouTube. So not only is this a, a dedicated playlist, but also a podcast playlist as well. Uh, we're also on audio on Downforce Radio, the nation's motorsport station, uh, Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. So thank you very much, everybody. If in doubt, flat out, and we'll see you next time here on Commentator's Corner. Goodbye.